0: Hi, this is Felix chimera lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lelonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lelonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Revelation chapter number 8, we're going through our preaching series. Revelation, Babylon has fallen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe God is shifting some things in our lives and changing some things in our lives. And uh, we find ourselves in Revelation chapter number 8. Let's start reading from verse 1 and up until the end of that passage, of that chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and they were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth, at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade. But the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we invite you. May you speak to us. May you move your church forward. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The seventh seal and the four trumpets. The seventh seal and the four and the four trumpets. The big picture of of anything is very important. When you understand the big picture. Uh, one, your life can start to make sense. And you, you you can have this sense of purpose that this is where I fit in the big picture. Maybe to put it in context, if you remember, maybe you may not, but if you remember when you're being taken to Nasseri school, maybe first day of Nazareth school, all teary-eyed, you didn't even want to stay there an hour. You preferred being at home. When you went to start standard one, probably you hated it. But then fast forward when you've been accepted into that undergraduate program, when you start doing that course of yours. I mean, nobody has to wake up to wake you up in the morning to say, oh, now it's time for school. Nobody has to tell you it's time for you to study. Why? Because you understand the bigger picture. You know where you're going. You have a sense of destiny. And you realize that this one day is very important in in your future. And just as it is in the natural, it is in the spiritual. That we must understand the bigger picture of what God is doing in the earth for us to be motivated enough or to mature to the point that we actually become what God has called us to become. And here's a bigger picture. In fact, the big picture. The big picture is God wants to bring back his authority in the earth. That authority which was lost in the Garden of Eden when humanity gave over the the. the, the the authority that God had given them and gave it to Satan so that Satan now rules in the earth and with the coming of Satan came sin, sickness, death. And God ever since then has been on this program of redemption of redeeming the world back to himself. That's a bigger picture. This passage helps us understand that God uses... The prayers of the saints to advance his kingdom. God uses the prayers of the saints to advance his kingdom. God uses the prayers of the saints to advance his kingdom of bringing back his authority in the earth which was lost in the Garden of Eden. And I see that there are two main ideas that are coming out of this text about God, about how God uses the prayers of the saints to advance his kingdom. First of all, notice, God values the prayers of the saints. God values the prayers of the saints. Verse number one, chapter number eight. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stood before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Now if you remember what's been going on in the throne room from chapter number 4, chapter number 5. Where John is taken into the throne room. And he sees the 24 elders around the four living creatures who are around the throne. And between the throne and the four living creatures is this glassy sea. And the throne of God uh, is, is where you know the one who sits on the throne sits. John does not say God is sitting on the throne. He always says he who sits on the throne. But he who sits on the throne has in his hand a scroll. And the scroll has seven seals. And we're told that there's nobody in heaven on earth and even under the earth who is able to go and take that scroll to open to see what the scroll is about. Then we hear that there's the lamb that was slain, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ himself, who now is able to go and open that scroll and he's opening the seals, seven seals, and so that we can see what God is doing. And indeed, the scroll, the seven seals, are, is really about the judgments of God coming on the earth. And so, seal number one, two, three, four, five, six have been opened. And now, seal number seven is about to be opened. And notice that it says that there is now silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, if you remember again, when we're shown the, 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 the scene in the throne room, there were angels worshiping God, isn't it? We saw that the, the four living creatures, they bow before God and they worship him. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is to come. Right? And when they say that the 24 elders, they take off their golden crowns, they cast them on the on the glassy sea and they fall down prostrate, worshiping God. I mean, the throne room is a place of noise, if you want to think of it that way. You see, some people walk into church, a church like ours, and said they, they start to wonder, why is it that you guys are making so much noise? Well, we're making so much noise because we understand the throne room. The throne room is filled with the noise of worship. So the 24 elders, they worship. The four living creatures, they worship. In fact, in the previous chapter, we are shown a scene where all the angels, where the 24 elders, where the four living creatures, where all the saints, they're worshiping before God. People from all nations and languages and tribes and, and everybody in the earth, global praise, worshiping God. And then we come to the scene. Shh, everything is silent. Everything is silence. Why the silence? (laughs) Well, the silence is there because there's this anticipation that God is about to do something. God is about to do something and so there is an anticipation. And we're told that there is an angel that goes before the altar. Now, in Revelation, there is a picture of the temple in heaven. In the temple on earth, there were two altars. There was an altar that was in the outer court. You see, the temple had three places or three components. There was the outer court, there was the inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies. And so there was one, one, one altar that was outside, that was in the outer court. And then there was another altar that was in the inner court. When John paints a picture of the temple in heaven, he only has one altar. And it is before this altar that this angel comes. Now, again in the Old Testament, when the priest was offering sacrifices, it was all in silence. All in silence. And so the silence here could be the silence that here is a priest that is offering incense in the presence of God. And so we're told. He's offering incense, which when we read in Leviticus, was supposed to come before God as a a pleasant aroma. And this incense is mixed with the prayers of the saints. Previously, we were told in chapter number 5, that the prayers of the saints, that the incense that rises up before God, are actually the prayers of the saints. I want you to watch this. God values prayer. And here we're told that it is the prayer of all the saints. Previously, we found that the saints that were mattered their souls coming from under the altar. And the altar would be the place where a sacrifice would be bled to death. So the blood would be poured under the altar. And from there... Uh, The souls of the matters, those that have been killed for the witness of Jesus Christ. Cry out, how long, O Lord? Verse number 10 of chapter number 6. How long, O sovereign Lord, before you avenge us? Now these prayers here are not just the prayers of the matters. They are the prayers of all the saints. Meaning to say, the saints that are in heaven and the saints that are on earth. See, when you think of the church, please understand, there are two kinds of churches. There's the church that is on earth, and the church that is in heaven. The church that has triumphed, it has overcome, it is in heaven. And then there's the church that is on earth, the church militant, that is still fighting, that is still advancing the cause of God. And it's the prayers of all the saints that are being offered. Please understand, God values prayer. In fact, when you go back to the way the whole trumpets, I mean the whole seals started, you find out that they started because of the prayers of the saints. That God is moving uh, because his people have cried out to him to say, how long? Now does that mean that God does not move unless man moves? Does that mean that God is dependent on man? Uh-uh. But God has chosen that the means by which he's going to work in the earth is through the agency of human beings. It's always a cooperation between God and man. With God being the initiator. With God being the one that starts the whole process. See, when you miss out on that fact, you'll come at a point of saying, oh no, God is just going to do this stuff by himself. I don't have to do anything about it. No, 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 no. There's a part that you play. In fact, you respond to the things that God is doing. For example, you can't say, oh listen, God has elected and chosen people who are going to go to heaven and so I don't really have to do anything because if he saved me, somehow it's going to happen automatically. Uh-uh. Because he has chosen you, because you are called to be saved, you are, there's going to be something inside you that wants God. Something that should take the initiative on your part to come to God. And that's how we should understand prayer. Prayer is our response to the things that God wants to bring about in the earth. Now I want you to watch these prayers. These are not prayers for a new car. These are not prayers for a promotion. These are not prayers for a wife. These are not prayers for a husband. These are prayers for the kingdom of God. How long, O oh Lord? Let's turn there. Exodus, I mean, uh, Revelation, chapter number 6. Verse number 10. They crowd with a loud voice. O oh, sovereign Lord, how holy and true. How long before you'll judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? In other words, how long before you come in your power, before you establish your justice in the earth? See, the world or the earth is not just. Have you noticed the people that get caught for most offenses are really the small fish? (laughs) There is kind of like a discussion in our society today about the rogue and vagabond laws. Where you're not supposed to be just loitering around. And they say that they target those that are poor. Because the ones that are loitering around in cars are never stopped and arrested for being rogue and vagabond. (laughs) And the whole gist of revelation is, listen, the justice of God is going to come. God is just and will establish his authority in the earth. And the prayers of the saints... Our prayers that the authority of God, the justice of God must come into the earth. Listen, there are prayers that God must respond to. There are prayers that God must respond to because they are prayers after God's own heart. Oh, there's some prayers God will never respond. Listen, some of the silly things we're looking for and wanting are things that if you just work hard, if you're disciplined, you're going to get a car. If you just work hard and are disciplined, you're going to get a promotion. In fact, stop praying for a promotion. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, stop praying for a promotion. Start working like you should be promoted. These people are not concerned with that. They're concerned with the kingdom of God. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples to pray? In Luke chapter number 13, is it chapter number 11? The disciples of Jesus come to Jesus. They say, Jesus, please, Lord, teach us to pray like John the baptizer taught his disciples to pray. Now, people call that the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. It's the prayer of the disciples. It's not the prayer of the Lord. But here's what it says. When you pray, this is what you say. Our Father, who art in heaven, praise. Hallowed be your name. Praise. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the centrality of the kingdom. Before you even start asking for your stuff. Because only the fourth petition, the third petition, the third petition, your kingdom come. Only the fourth petition petition is the one that starts saying, give us this day our daily bread. See, true prayer is kingdom prayer. In fact, the Jewish rabbis in the days of Jesus, they taught that any prayer that did not mention the kingdom or was not centered on the kingdom was not a prayer. And so the prayers that have been talked about here are prayers to to hasten the kingdom, to bring the kingdom to fruition. In other words, prayers that say, let the gospel go to the ends of the world and so that you can come, Lord Jesus, and establish authority in the earth. Those are the kind of prayers Jesus honors. Oh, that's why some of us are frustrated, isn't it? We've been praying and praying and praying and praying and it's not happening. And God is saying, listen, no, 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 no. You have made the other things to be first. Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, I tell you. Those kinds of prayers are the kinds of prayers that that make God move. Why do they make God move? Because God moved you to pray those kinds of prayers. Hallelujah. And so there's this mixing of the incense with the prayers of the saints. I want you to notice. It is the prayers of the saints that bring history to a close. Watch. Verse number 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Now, here's something you must understand. The seven seals, the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, each of the seventh one brings you to the place where it's the second coming of Jesus. Why do I say that? Well, read again with me at the end of verse number 5. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of night, of lightning, and an earthquake. Right? That is a picture that comes from Exodus chapter 19, when God says to Israel... I'm going to come. to. He says to Moses, I'm going to come to Israel and I want to talk to Israel myself. Let's turn there, Exodus chapter number 19, verse number 16. It says, in the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. What's happening? God has shown up right and in each one of of those judgments in revelation god shows up and when he does shows up he, there you have what is called the storm theophany theophany means an appearance of god theos god phanos face or appearing right so you have this storm appearance of god and so you find it in exodus and you find it again in revelation in fact on the throne in chapter number 4, chapter number 5, you hear the very, of the very same things being there. Rumblings, lightning. And especially the earthquake is always the second coming. In other words, the seventh seal takes you to the second coming. So all the seals that have been happening are building up to the second coming. When you come into the trumpets, what's going to happen Is the very same thing. They are going to take, it's almost like you're taking a step back in time and you're starting all over again and you're coming to the second coming. When you get the balls, the very same thing, you're going back in time and you're coming to the second coming. And so there is a recapitulation or a repetition. But that repetition though, as we shall see, is one where there's also an intensity. There's an intensifying. With the seals... The judgments affected a quarter, a fourth of the earth. With the trumpets, the judgments are going to affect the th- a third of the earth. With the balls, the judgments will affect the whole earth. And so there's a repetition and there's also an intensifying. Right. So when we see this so-called storm theophany, or this storm appearing of God, like we see in Exodus chapter 19, verse number 16, then we come at a point where we see, oh, we have come to the end, because now this is the second coming. Now what does that say about prayer? I want you to watch this again. Verse number, back to Revelation chapter number 8, verse number 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now notice, the prayers of the saints are mixed up in all this. And they bring about the second coming. Hallelujah. You see, it's the answer to that prayer. Thy kingdom come. Whenever you pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. You really are praying, Lord Jesus come now. Come and establish your throne in the earth. I don't know if you know this, my friend, but the answer to the world's problems is Jesus coming back. The answer to the problems that we're going through right now, it's the establishment of the just kingdom of God. The answer to Aleppo and Syria, to, to what's happening in Iraq, what's happening in the, the South Sudan, really, is Jesus coming back again. And what is the agent who are the people that God uses to bring about his justice in the earth? It's the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, there's a low view of the church in the land, isn't it? We have turned ourselves into a club. A Sunday morning club of religious people. That just come together so that they feel good that they worship something. But deep down in their hearts, they're not really living for the kingdom of God. Deep down in their hearts, there isn't this thing that says, I want your kingdom to come. Never broken in their hearts when they see those images on TV of those children crying, of those children being killed. I think it was the day before yesterday on Al Jazeera. They were reporting that the conflict in South Sudan. There are about 650 children, child soldiers that have been abducted. In fact, children that have been abducted to be soldiers. Children, six-year-old, nine-year-old, 12-year-olds. Becoming soldiers. I mean, that ought to break our hearts, shouldn't it? I mean, can you imagine your young brother, imagine your son becoming part of that army? How many of us have watched Beast of No Nation? If you haven't watched Beast of No Nation, you must watch it. It's about child soldiers and it's a very sad story. Friend, listen. We are here for the kingdom. And God uses our prayers to bring about his authority in the earth. May we not waste our prayers praying for useless things. Listen, all these things will be added unto us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And I'm getting scared of prayers that, I mean of testimonies. Where it's like, hey listen, I used to be like this. But now God has promoted me, I'm here. Because, you see, the problem with that is it makes the kingdom to be about those things. May testimonies be about the testimony of somebody entering into the kingdom of God. Because, my friend, that's our job down here to be witnesses so that the whole world will hear and our master, our king, would come and establish his kingdom. Because he doesn't want to judge these people before we have done our job of making them hear the gospel. That's what we're living for. We're living for people to come at a place where they know Jesus Christ, where their lives are transformed. Because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What does it profit that you go to hell with Mercedes Benzes? In fact, you will never even enter into hell with a Mercedes Benz. You live it down here for people who didn't even deserve it, who didn't even work as hard as you did. People that if you knew that they were taking your stuff, you'd spit. There's nothing you can do. You are dead. Saints, listen. Let's live for the kingdom. Let's live for the kingdom. May you make at the core of your Christianity this thing that says, I want to take this gospel to the ends of the world. I want to be part of the people that are taking this gospel to the ends of the world. I want my prayers to be prayers for people to come to know Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. It's not so that your neighbor can say, wow, you're, you're a go-getter. Wow, you're intelligent. Wow, you're this, you're that. Nonsense. All that stuff is nonsense compared to the glory of winning souls and bringing them into the kingdom of God. And God values the prayers of his saints. Because they are prayers after his own heart. Not only does God value their prayers. God actually vindicates the prayers of the saints. Remember again in six, verse number six, or chapter number 6, verse number 10. It says, they cried out with a loud voice. Oh, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you'll judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? It's a prayer of vindication. It's a prayer of vindication. It's a prayer of saying, Lord, we've been right all along. We've been faithfully serving you. But the people of this world have been persecuting us. They have killed us. Remember, these are the matters. Those that have been killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, How long? Are they saying, How long before you avenge us? How long before you vindicate us? See, you and I need to move to a proper understanding of the faith. The faith really is about this idea that there is war in the earth. That there are actually two sides. There's a the side of God. And then there's a side of Satan. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. In fact, Jesus had told his disciples that up until now, up until the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom suffers violence. But now the violent take it by force. Now that's like 2,000 years ago, isn't it? So how much more warfare, spiritual warfare, must there be today? Oh, a lot. A lot of it. A lot of it. And so even as we come to this part of these four trumpet judgments, we better see them in the light of the spiritual warfare that is going on. And also in the light of these are the answers to the prayers of the saints. How long, O Lord? These are the answers to the prayers of the saints. In other words, the prayers of the saints are the ones that kickstart these judgments. Hallelujah. Oh, the church is a powerful entity, my friend. We're not another FBO, faith-based organization. We're not another CSO, civil society organization. We're not that, friend. We are representative of the kingdom of God in the earth. We are the agents that God is using to bring about his purposes in the earth. Oh, friend, listen, if you see yourself any less than that, let me tell you, you don't know what the church is. You don't know what the church is. The church is the pillar of truth, says Paul. The church is the household of God. The church is the temple of God. The things that God is doing in the earth, he's doing through his church. So Paul can write and he can say that the mystery that was not known. Has now been made known to the apostles and the prophets. That the Gentiles and the Jews are being built up together. Into one holy household of God. And he says in verse number 11 of Ephesians chapter number 3. He says verse number 10. Ephesians chapter number 3. He says listen. God has raised up the church. To show his many sided wisdom. To the principalities and the powers. What's the church about? To show the power of God to the satanic beings. The satanic dominions. The ones that we fight with is not flesh and blood. The ones that we're going against is not people. It really is powers, principalities, authorities. This present darkness and its authorities. The demonic realm, that's who we are going against. And even as we get into these four trumpets, you start seeing that when you take this from a spiritual warfare vantage point, you start seeing that what is happening here are things that in the spirit are speaking of warfare. Watch what happens in verse number six. It says, Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. Again, God is going to execute his judgments through the prayers of the saints. And then we are told here that the seven angels that stand before the throne of God, maybe they are archangels. In the Old Testament, we have the archangel Michael, archangel Gabriel, right? So maybe this is one of those, uh, maybe the seven are, are, are or maybe Michael and Gabriel are part of, of the archangels. But they have seven trumpets. Trumpets always speak of judgment in the New Testament. Speak of eschatological judgment. Eschatos, somebody say eschatos. Eschatos means last. Right? So eschatology, say eschatology. Eschatology is the study of last things. And so these judgments, trumpet judgments, are judgments that are coming out of the eschatos, of the last things. Paul writes 1 Corinthians or 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 16. He speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ. He says, there'll be a trumpet blast. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 52 or somewhere there, he speaks again of the trumpet blast. Jesus, Matthew 24, verse 31, speaks of the trumpet blast when he's coming again the second time. And so when we hear of these trumpets, we should be thinking of judgments at the end of the age. Again, I want you to watch this. The seventh seal has taken us into the seven trumpets. Remember a seal on the scroll? It means you open it, and then when you open the scroll and unfurl it, it means now you're going to be able to read what is written there. And so the seventh seal leads us into the seven trumpets. But the seven trumpets, as we shall see, they are taking us almost back to the first seal, in fact, back before the first seal, and they're going to walk us through again to the second coming of Jesus Christ, except now there will be an intensification. Instead of a quarter of the earth, being destroyed. It's going to be a third of the earth. So he says in verse number 7. The first angel blew his trumpet. And there followed hail and fire. Mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was burned up. Now here's something that you see. In these judgments. These judgments. At most, most times. They are patterned after. The judgments in the Exodus. So let's turn there. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 9, verse number 22. Exodus chapter 9, quickly. Exodus chapter 9, all right. verse number 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast, and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, there was no hail. So notice, pretty much the very same scenery that you find in in, uh, Revelation chapter number 8. There's hail, and we're told that there is fire as well, and there's blood. And blood is maybe the the different kind of thing that you find there that is like an addition from Exodus chapter number 9. But notice, in Egypt, that hail fell on everything. It destroyed things, isn't it? Right. And so here too, there is this destruction of the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was burned up. I'm sure you've been seeing these images on TV of the fires happening. I think in America, there's some fire happening somewhere in the West. And then there's fires in Australia as well. Anybody seen those? How they have all these big planes that you know, go and, and, and pour fire extinguisher on the forest fires. And it's raging fires that are unstoppable. Listen. This fire here will be a third of the earth. Now, here's how we should be seeing or we should be taking Revelation in terms of our interpretation. First of all, we should see the things that John writes in the Revelation as things that he were going to be contemporary with the people that he was talking to. Remember, he writes letters, isn't it? You don't write a letter. And write things in there that won't make sense to the people that you're writing to, isn't it? You don't write a letter and talk about computers to people that don't understand computers. Because computers are not invented, right? You don't do that. And so there's a level in Revelation where we must understand that the things that are written there are things that are for that generation. On another level, we should also understand that the things that are written also represent the age-old struggle of the church in the earth. In other words, the church is usually persecuted, isn't it? The church usually has tribulation and persecution, isn't it? I mean, there are people that are dying for their faith today. Is there greater tribulation than that? That you would die for your faith? No. And so we should understand that these things that we're speaking of here are things also that are are the experience of the church throughout the church age until Jesus Christ comes back. But on another level, we should also understand that there is a future aspect to some of these things. That there is really going to come a time, at the end of the age, in the great tribulation, that these things are actually going to happen. Right? So there will be these disasters that are going to happen at the end of the age. And so imagine this disaster, a third of the earth. And then there's a second angel, verse number 8. Blew his trumpet. And something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the sheep were destroyed. Now, let's turn to Jeremiah, chapter number 51, verse number 25. Jeremiah 51, verse number 25. And this is a, a prophecy against Babylon. Verse number 25, Behold, I'm against you, O destroying mountain, declares the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I'll destroy. I'll stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. Again, when you get back to Revelation chapter number 8, you see that image of a mountain, a great mountain burning, thrown into the sea, right? And the effect of this is that a third of the sea became blood almost like in again in in Egypt isn't it that the the nah river was turned to blood now think of the sea remember again when john is writing this he's writing from the island of patmos mediterranean isn't it and probably the churches that he's writing in fact the churches that he's writing to churches like ephesus laodicea no are churches that are around the mediterranean sea isn't it meaning to say That the way that they get their money is through trading the sea. Through fishing, isn't it? And so the judgments are going to come even on their means of making money. (laughs) Not only is there this scorched earth, this burnt earth with no green grass. But even the sea itself is affected. This judgment that has come from God and a third of the sea turns into blood. Fishermen, you're out of business. Ships in trouble. Ships were destroyed. Think the economic consequences to this. I mean, it's very sad if you're one of those people that have, has put your trust in, 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 uh, in a career in the shipping industry, isn't it? And it's going to be a very a very tough time because it means that, you know, you're out of business. Things are not going to work. The economy at this point in time is not working like it should. Verse number 10. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blessing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters become Wormwood. And many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Now notice another trumpet and the star falls from heaven. And we're told it affects springs of water, it affects rivers. And the rivers have you see wormwood has a poisonous extract that is very bitter. If you remember in in Exodus, again, Exodus 17, I do believe, where Israel comes to this place where they need water, they're thirsty. But the water that they taste is bitter water. They call the place Marah. And God has to tell Moses that look. Take that stick. Put it in the water. And the waters are going to get healed. And that's where God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. The God who heals. And he says I'll put none of the diseases of Egypt on you. Right? And so we have a scenery just like that. Wormwood. The water has become bitter. And we're told. It's a third of the rivers, a third of the springs of water. I mean, these judgments are supposed to elicit from the hearers a thing that says, What? You mean it's like it's going to be like that? Can you imagine what that, that would do to Eskom? What that would do to Lilonga water board, what that would do to our water. This is similar to Exodus chapter number seven. Verse 20 to 24. Let's stand there. It says, And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of, of his servants, lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stunk, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. so Pharaoh's heart remained hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said Pharaoh turned and went into his house and he did not take it he did not take even this to his heart and all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink for they could not drink the water of the Nile so they can't drink the water of the Nile why? why? well because God has cursed it and here's something for those of you that say oh you know but there are miracles happening there and so God must be there even the Egyptians, of, even the magicians of Pharaoh, they could perform the very same miracle. The fact that somebody is performing a miracle or miracles does not mean that that person is from God. Don't lie to yourself. Go read Matthew chapter number 7. Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you as, uh, in sheep's clothing, but they are ravenous wolves. He says on that day there will be people that will come to him and say, that, uh, uh, Lord, Lord, we, we, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. And Jesus is going to say, get away from me. I never knew you. So he tells them to get away. Not because they've done miracles or have not done miracles. But because they never knew him. They never had the character that comes with the person that is walking with God. See, if you really walk with God, your character is going to show. If you really walk with God, your character is going to show. So even these Egyptian magicians, they can fake this stuff. They can do, they can duplicate some of this stuff, but they're not the real thing. And he says that's going to happen again in Revelation. This time now, it's going to come from God himself. And notice again, it's the prayers of the saints that have initiated this whole process. Verse number 12, the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars... So that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Exodus chapter number 10. Let's go there, verse number 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your your little ones also may go with you. And only let your flocks and your herds remain. Notice, darkness in the whole land. Now, if you know anything about people that believe in magic and the magic arts, the moon is something to be worshipped, isn't it? Or something that is involved in the whole process of the things that they, they talk about, isn't it? I mean, there, 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 there were people in this time that were worshipping the sun. And so, if there is a striking of the sun, a striking of the moon and the stars, it's a striking of those gods, in other words. Some silly Christians, so-called Christians. I don't know even if they're Christians. But they go by the zodiac sign. Oh, I'm a Scorpio. I'm a Taurus. And when the newspaper comes, the first place they go to, the Star Guide. I don't know. There was a time I was into that too. I thought, oh, I'm a Scorpio. So, what does he say what the star, star guy say? Oh, today this is going to happen, da 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 da. Being led by those gods. Eh? Have you noticed how some of us preachers have become like the star guy, too? Today you shall meet somebody that is going to bless you. Today this shh, please. But this attack is a spiritual attack on the gods. In fact, we can actually say all these attacks here. Because you see, people believed in Egypt that the Nile was was a god also to be worshipped. And so, this attack would be attack on the gods of the peoples. In other words, prayer, intercessory prayer, prayer of the kingdom, prayers of the kingdom, they attack the spiritual entities. Listen, behind all the things that are happening around us that are in the world, behind it, at the seat of it, is satanic power. It may not look like that at the surface, but as you go deeper and deeper, you find out that there are people that are involved in the occultic arts. I read a report some years ago that ritual murders, you know, when you find somebody killed, And they've taken a body part or body parts. In South Africa, at least they say that. That there's a coincidence between the time of elections and ritual murders. That there's an increase in ritual murders when elections are around the corner. Because people are trying to draw power from those things. I mean, our very own albino killings. Aren't they a matter of that? That people are trying to draw power in a sense. And that these people really, when you see the businesses doing well or whatever, the source of their power, the source of their power, some of these people is the powers of darkness. And hear the prayers of the saints. They bring about a judgment on those gods. Oh, listen, my friend, our prayers, our intercessory prayers are powerful. They are powerful. And listen, these prayers are not prayers that should be done by a so-called man of God. You can pray the very same prayers. And so we find ourselves going from one so-called man of God to another man of God, from one man of God to another man of God, because we we fear the witchcraft that is against us. Because something walked on the on our on our on our rooftop one night, and we just didn't understand where where that thing came from. It made the sound of an animal or the sound of a person, and so we got scared. And so we we running from one singanga to another singanga, one witch doctor. Oh, they call them traditional healers now. One traditional healer or traditional doctor to another traditional doctor. No, you have the power. You have the power. Jesus told his disciples, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and nothing shall harm you. Oh, may the church arise and realize that we have the power. If your faith as small as a mustard seed, you say to this mountain, be removed into the sea and it will, it will listen to you. Listen, the whole church of Jesus Christ is a church that is empowered. We have the power. You have the power. Please stop believing that when you come to me only, that's when stuff is going to start working out. Mm -mm, mm. Start believing that when you step up in your prayer, when you step up in your fasting, you step up in your word, when you step up in the revelation of God, you will come at a point that you're going to stand strong and you can come against those things. You see, some of the things that you're battling with will require you to get to a higher level of prayer. Some of the things you're battling with are demonic and satanic. It's just that Satan is so clever. He comes in such a way that you would not even know it's Satan. You wouldn't even know it's Satan. You'll blame it on somebody. you blame it on something. You'd never say it's Satan. Oh, may God grant you the revelation. To see that your situation is a situation that the enemy has brought into your life. That you would say, I want to rise up. I want to pray more. I want to be the person that God has called me to be. Because friend, in all this, this is a spiritual battle. If you don't get that, you're going to be jumping from one church to the next. You jump from one church to the next to the other church and the other church and the other church and you say all of us are messed up. You even go to Nigeria. Because all of us in Malawi will have failed you. And then the thing about it is, it's not Nigeria, you know. It's not even the long way. It's not even Kairos, you know. It's really Jesus. It's really you stepping up. It's really you starting to pray more. It's really you trying to get into the word more. It's really you obeying God more. It's really you valuing God more. Oh, when you do that, you start walking in his power. And so as the church is praying, God starts bringing out these judgments. The economy that people are hankering after, pursuing, failing. Because you see, the sheeps aren't going out as much as they should. The fish isn't coming in like it should. The arable land burnt out. All the green grass. Agriculture industry down. Nothing working. Nothing working. Oh, I pray. May God make nothing to work in some people's lives. Amen. Amen. That, well, listen, that's my prayer. May God make nothing to, may God come at a point where they burn all the grass in their arable lands. That they turn the waters in their, in their sea and in their lakes where they fish, where the ships go. May, may a third of that be turned into blood. So that you can come at a point of realizing that listen, the Lord God reigns. See, the whole point of all these judgments actually is so that the earth dwellers would repent. The judgments of God are actually the mercy of God. I'm going to jump ahead of myself. Chapter 9, Revelation. Verse number 20. I'm jumping. Verse number 20, chapter number 9. The rest of mankind. Now, this is after the, all the trumpets, seven trumpets have come. The rest of mankind. Who were not allowed? Who were not killed by these plagues? Did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, of their sorceries, of their sexual morality, of their thefts. I'm sorry, that's not after the seventh, uh, the seventh uh, trumpet. It's after the sixth trumpet. They did not repent. In other words, the judgments were there so that these people could turn back to God. Oh, because there are some people who never learn until they're hit. There are some people who never understand until something bad happens to them. Oh, may bad things happen to some people. That they'll turn back to God. They'll start praying again. They'll start seeking God again. May their career not work. Pastor, what kind of preaching is that? It's kingdom preaching, my friend. Because you see, you have to turn back to the kingdom, Christian. The reason you have been called into the earth or you have been saved by God is so that you can be a part of what he's doing in the earth. That you would be a witness. That's why he saved you. That's why he saved me. We're here to live for the kingdom, to grab the bigger picture. And when we miss the bigger picture, that's when... We start running after all these things that this world runs after. Jesus says, don't be like the heathen. Wanting the very same things like the heathen. Worrying. Worrying about food. Worrying about what you shall wear. Worrying about all this. He says, no, 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 no. Your father in heaven knows every single hair on your head. He knows. He's got it numbered. Your father in heaven feeds the birds. How can he not feed you? He says, look at the bird and look at Solomon. Solomon, in all his glory, was never clothed like those birds. Maybe we can even say the fashion industry is trying to imitate the glory of the birds, isn't it? (sighs) But The point is this. God can take care of you. Make God number one. Make the kingdom number one. In all this, what God is trying to do is not to kill you off or to kill them off, is to bring them to the point of repentance. As if that's not bad enough. He says that there's this eagle, it says in my translation, verse number 13. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overheard. Some say that maybe that's not really an ego. It's like a vulture. Remember, vulture is a bird of prey, isn't it? And so it's making this announcement, getting ready. Vultures are always near uh, death, isn't it? Dead carcasses, dead bodies. That's where vulture, That's where you find vultures. And it's in mid-heaven. It says here, um, it flew overhead. Some translations say this is mid-heaven because the understanding is there is the Third heaven where God dwells, then there's mid-heaven, and then there's the earth. Remember Paul speaks about that too, that I know a man who saw things, who entered into the heavens, I think third heaven, saw things that should not be seen, right? And he says, I'm not going to tell about that man. Now he's talking about himself. And when he sees things out there, he says, "Mm -mm, I don't want to tell you that so that I, I, I may get puffed up with pride. But have you noticed how some people, when they've gone to heaven and they take their photos, whatever it is, they want to show everybody and sell everybody photos? Not But watch this. This bird, this vulture, is in mid-heaven and makes this declaration. It says, woe, woe, woe. Do you know woe is not really an English word? Woe is a Hebrew word that they failed to translate into English. In the, in the Hebrew, it's oh, oh, oh. Uh, it's an equivalent to our mayo, mayo, mayo. That, that's what it actually is. So it's, it's a dangerous word. I mean, it's a grown man crying, tears rolling down, shaking and in fear. Right? So, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. Notice, this is to those who dwell on the earth. The word, that phrase, those who dwell on the earth, appears about 13 times in Revelation. And it speaks of people that are not Christians. In other words, these judgments are coming on those that do not dwell. I mean, those that dwell on the earth, those that are not Christians. Remember, when there was a judgment in Exodus, the darkness in Egypt, there was no darkness in Goshen. Some of those judgments did not happen in Goshen, where the children of Israel were. In other words, God preserved his people in the midst of the judgments. Now we do well to say these trumpets are happening in the Great Tribulation. But just like the pardon in the Old Testament in Exodus, where God preserved his people in the midst of a tribulation, a Great Tribulation, so God also will preserve his people in the midst of this Great Tribulation. Now I'm sure by now you've figured it out. We don't believe in the rapture before the Great Tribulation. We actually think that the preaching of the gospel taking it to the ends of the world so that Jesus Christ would come is going to make us to be in the great tribulation. In fact, our preaching is going to be so rabid, so effective that the devil will pull out the best that he has and bring out 666. And we're going to be facing 666 head on. And they defeated him with the word of the of, of the testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And they loved not their lives until the death. So in the great tribulation, we'll be Christians. That are going to persevere through it all. And preach the word. And get killed for it. Hmm, you mean we're going to get killed? Yes. Our master got killed. If a master is killed. How much How much more you? Maybe you're serving the wrong master. That this master expects that you get killed for him. Hey, but pastor I didn't sign up for that. Please don't. Don't sign up for that. This master is expecting that you would die for him. Right, but again. This vulture says, whoa, whoa, to the earth dwellers. Because of the last, the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Here's what I want you to see. Finish it up now. It's prayer. Prayer. Kingdom prayer. That really brings these judgments about. Just as God created man in his own image and likeness, set him in the earth, gave him dominion and expects or expected humanity to have his dominion in the earth. Even in his taking back the earth that he lost through humanity, he is taking it back through humanity. Our prayers. We are a part of what God is doing. My friend, may you see the big picture. It's not just about your job. It's not about just you getting life. It's not just about your business. It's about the kingdom of God and His purposes in you Thank you for listening to the Kairos podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.